0: Hey, this is Jason Hubbard and I, along with my wife, are the lead pastors of One Life Church in Nampa, Idaho. Thanks so much for checking out our podcast. We hope that it encourages you and motivates you to live for Christ. Enjoy this message. Okay. Uh, we Like I said, we're going to be talking about the shepherd and the sheep. And to get us into the mindset of what this relationship looks like, um, I found um, just a really, really cool illustration. Of, of what our life as a sheep looks like as we follow Christ. Okay, so, so go ahead and put this up here, guys. So sometimes we, we, we get ourselves in trouble, we get in a ditch, right? We're, we're, we've sinned and all this kind of stuff and we get stuck and the shepherd has to come and help us out of the ditch that we've gotten ourselves in. And then as soon as we're out, we're off and running and we're onto the things of the Lord right back into the ditch. <laughs> Anybody's spiritual life kind of feel like that sometimes? (laughs) Yeah, victory in Jesus! (laughs) Okay, but this one, very similar, play this clip. Okay, this next one here. Same thing, the shepherd gets the sheep out of the ditch, and then the sheep is off and running and free, only to go right back to the ditch again. Now, now I am really thankful that our shepherd, the good shepherd, is not like this shepherd because look at the shepherd's response. Put, forget it, I'm just walking away. Puts the hand up. <laughs> Done. <laughs> I'm really thankful that that's not our shepherd. <laughs> You've you ditched too many times. You're I'm out, I'm out. You're on your own, right? That is not our shepherd. Anybody, did that resonate with anybody? I think I, think I yeah, I've been there. You know, I'm doing good, all right. I'm not doing good, right? Our shepherd's always faithful, though, to help us to get back on the track and get back onto the purposes that he has for us. Uh, this imagery, like I said, is one of the most beautiful uh, illustrations in the Bible of the relationship that we have with Jesus. Jesus used this illustration in the Bible, and it's actually not just Jesus, but we're going to look at a couple passages of the Bible where God uses this illustration of his relationship with his people. And he did this for a couple different reasons. One, because the people that the Bible was actually written to and handed to uh, were an agricultural society where shepherding was a natural part of life. Most people had some form of shepherding that they were involved with, okay? So they understood so well. When Jesus calls himself a shepherd, they were like, I get that relationship. Like, that makes total sense. But I also think it's timeless. Because if we look, and as we dig into this over the next few weeks, we're going to understand that the relationship between a shepherd and a sheep is, is one of the most beautiful, rich relationships that still even exists today. Because the relationship that a shepherd and a sheep have is built entirely off of trust and a leading versus a driving some of the reading that I was doing this week was doing a compare and contrast between a cowboy with his cows and a shepherd with his sheep. Many times with, with cows, they're, they're driven. The, 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 the cowboy will go behind and, and move and direct the cows. But with a shepherd, the imagery is very different because the shepherd, and this isn't I know this, right? So some people, I've seen people that have incredible relationships with their cattle and the cattle just, you know, say one word and the cattle are there. But the imagery overall that we see of a shepherd is he's out front leading his sheep. There's a trust that the sheep have to follow the shepherd. And the relationship of a shepherd and a sheep is based off of one thing. This is the foundation of this relationship. It's that the shepherd calls his sheep with his voice and the the sheep know his voice and listen to it. And so as Jesus was talking about this, he says, listen, this is the kind of relationship I desire to have with my people. I desire to have a kind of relationship where I simply speak and my sheep hear my voice, listen and follow me. So there's this picture that's being painted here. Now, now there's a little bit of a warning in the setup, okay? So I'm gonna start with kind of the, the, um, the warning or the thing to be aware of here. Because one of the definitions of shepherd, if you were just to Google shepherd, define shepherd, one of the definitions is to guide or direct in a particular direction. That is a very broad term, right? And, it's, and it leaves it very open for whatever. Now, if we think about that definition to guide or direct in a particular direction, and we attach that definition to Jesus, that feels pretty good, right? We would all agree. Yes, we want Jesus to, to guide and lead us in a particular direction, right? I think we would all agree. But the thing is, is that that same definition could be attached to people that would come along to try to pull God's people astray, and away from the voice of the shepherd. Yeah. And so we have to understand that, that not everybody who has an influence of a shepherd will actually lead us to the shepherd. There are people, and, and, and the Bible talks about this. I'm gonna to get to here in just a second. Your first blank is this. I'll finish my thought, I promise. Not all shepherds are good. Not all shepherds are good. Okay? The Bible warns us actually about those that we need to be concerned about. Matthew talk, or Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 7 verse 13, or 15 he says beware of false prophets or false shepherds who come design, disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. So he says listen There will be those who will be able to have a position of influence, but don't function in the reality of what a shepherd is, okay? Here's where it applies to us today. There's a lot of voices that we can listen to. Would you agree? I can jump and I can listen to a podcast of 50 different people in a week, right? Super easy. There's a lot of voices. There's a lot of people that we can have and allow to have influence into our life. But we have to be very careful that the people that we are allowing to influence or shepherd us actually are under shepherds that are leading us to the shepherd. Okay? Because here's how the enemy works, and this is the warning. The enemy works in subtleties. Meaning, you won't look at somebody and say, that is blatantly someone who will lead me away from the Lord. But as we start to listen and say, well, there's a lot of stuff that they're saying that's really good. But then there's little things sewn in that if we're not really careful and we're not familiar with the voice of the shepherd, we start to get pulled astray. And that is where the flock begins to scatter. Because suddenly, everything has influence into our life. The warning here is for us to be very, very careful with who we allow to influence our life. Okay? Obviously, we want the word of God to influence our life. Right? Like That, that the people that we allow to influence our life, that the people that we are making decisions in our life because of, that those voices are also grounded in scripture. So that ultimately it's leading us to the shepherd. So so it's just it's just a thing to be aware of. Okay? There are voices. And sadly, there are voices of people who would hold the title of a shepherd who are not there for the best interest of the sheep. Now let me lay this out really simply. We are sheep. And so there are people that are trying to scatter and who the enemy wants to use to scatter the sheep and to drive the sheep away from the shepherd. Now, I'm saying that just for us to be aware of, okay? Just, just let us, let us just have that filter in place when we're going in through our world and through our lives and we're listening to every influence that comes in. Let's just make sure that every influence that we are allowing to speak into our lives is grounded in this and that actually is the voice of the shepherd speaking through somebody, okay? Now, here's, here's the cool thing, is that God loves his flock. See, see if, if, if there's a shepherd, some people call pastors shepherds because we hold that, that specific thing. If shepherds who are, are, are human are not perfect and make mistakes, like, will happen, God is perfect. And this is his flock. And he cares a lot about his flock, and so he wants to be able to speak to his flock. He wants his flock to be able to know his voice so that they can follow him Amen. despite what somebody might say or do. Because I have news for you. I'm not going to say everything right all the time. I mean, I still call this church River Valley. So <laughs> who knows what I'm going to say next. But the point being is that we have to be able to hear this from the right perspective. Now, I'm gonna read a passage from Ezekiel. Ezekiel was a prophet that prophesied to the, the nation of Israel when they were in exile. And he was, he was prophesying to really encourage them and strengthen them in their time in exile. But, but he, he had a very, very specific point to his prophecy, and that was this. He prophesied to show what happens when a nation departs from the glory of God. And what happens is the glory of God departs from the nation. And so his, his prophecy was to warn them to not get drawn away. And that every nation, every person is held accountable to God. And that God judges everything that takes place. So Ezekiel is prophesying and saying, listen, I want you to be very careful and I want you to be very cautious because there is things that can draw you away and there is a judgment towards the people that are drawn away. But and this is the second part of Ezekiel. As you read Ezekiel, this is the waveform that goes throughout the whole thing. Be very, very careful and be very, very cautious because if not, if you get drawn away, man, there is a judge, a righteous judge that is going to come for people that have drawn away and depart from the glory of God. But God is a righteous judge and he's full of mercy and he comes to restore and he has a redemption plan and a redemption process. But you need to be very, very careful because if you decide to go, away, he does this whole thing around certain topics throughout the book of Ezekiel, okay? It's with this in mind that we read Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel 34 says this in verse two. He says, son of man, speaking of Ezekiel, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Wow, that is strong verbiage. (laughs) Prophesy and say to them, this is what the Lord God says to the shepherds. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Shouldn't the shepherds feed their flock? You eat the fat, you wear the wool, you butcher the fattened animals, but you do not tend the flock. You have not strengthened the weak, you have not healed the sick, you haven't bandaged the injured, you haven't brought back the strays or sought the lost. Instead, you have ruled them with violence and cruelty. They were scattered for lack of a shepherd. You can hear the heart of God just breaking, right? My flock was was scattered. They were scattered for lack of a shepherd. They became food for all the wild animals when they were scattered. My flock went astray on all the mountains and on every high hill. My flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth and, this is important, there was no one searching or seeking for them. Jesus had some... God has some very, very choice words to say to these shepherds. You hold the position of a shepherd of Israel, but you don't function the way I want you to function in caring for my flock. So he has some very, very choice words to say. So then he goes down into verse 10, and this is what God says then to those shepherds. Now, this is where, hear this with Ezekiel. There's the judgment part for departing but you're also gonna hear woven in the redemption and the restoration, okay? Here we go. Verse, 11, or verse 10. So this is what the Lord God says. Look, I am against the shepherds. There's judgment, right? Like they have, they have messed this up. They have not cared for the flock. So, and, and the way I read this Bible, my Bible is that it's like the tone of God shifts. It goes from a judgmental, why have you not cared for the flock? Why have you not cared for my flock? To switching to the voice of a shepherd. So I will demand my flock from them and prevent them from shepherding the flock. The shepherds will no longer feed themselves for I will rescue my flock from their mouths so that they will not be food for them. For this is what the Lord God says. See, I myself will search for my flock and look for them. He says, listen, you didn't do this. So I'm going to do this. And then he skips down in here in the next couple of verses. I will tend my flock and I will let them lay down. I will not drive. I will not scatter. I will not abuse. I will not use violence. But I will tend them and let them lay down. This is the declaration of the Lord God. I will seek the lost, bring back the strays, bandage the injured, and strengthen the weak. How many of you are thankful that that's what he did? He didn't leave the shepherds in place that were cruel towards the sheep. He said, no, you're out of there. My heart is to my sheep. And so I'm going to make some shifts here to make sure that my flock is cared for and tended. It's this beautiful picture that we see. So then what he says, and this is the whole redemption process. He says, I'm going to set a new shepherd in place. Ezekiel is a prophetic book, which means he was prophesying. Not only does he literally talk about David, but he also prophesies because David is a type of Christ. He talks about, a good shepherd that will come to care for his flock. You've lived under shepherds that have not been good. And I would say to us that there are times in life when we have allowed people to influence us that have not been healthy. But the voice of the shepherd, the good shepherd is, listen, I have something very different for you. I have a good shepherd for your soul. Good shepherd for your heart. A a good shepherd for your mind. So what happens? Usher in Jesus, who is our good shepherd. The Old Testament was all a big setup. And this narrative that God used of the relationship with his sheep and his desire to have his sheep tended after and and cared for and sought after and all of this kind of stuff. He said, This is the cry of my heart, and I'm gonna put somebody in place that actually will fulfill that. Jesus is born, and what do we see? He fulfills this very thing. So now we jump into John 10, and that's where it gets really good. John 10, Jesus says this: I'm the good shepherd. Now, keep in mind, the people that he was speaking to had the book of Ezekiel. They they read the prophecies of Ezekiel. They had lived under that, or at least the history of what had happened in the exile. They they knew all this. So Jesus is speaking to them and saying, hey, by the way, I'm I'm the good shepherd. And here's what the good shepherd does. He lays down his life for the sheep. Counterculture. You, you, wait, wait, wait a second, Jesus. You're not going to demand us to do things a certain way, to give you honor and praise because you hold a title, and you're not going to require us to like, treat you a certain way or bow when you walk down the street. That was what was done. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders, when you walk by, you, you, you had to bow to them, right? You had to show them respect. He's like, no, 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 no. I laid down my life for my sheep. Turns everything upside down on its head. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees the wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and they and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. I lay my life down for the sheep, but I have other sheep that are from not from the sheep pen and I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock and one shepherd. This is why the father loves me because I laid down my life so that I can take it up again. And then this is the power of this right here. No one takes it from me, but I laid down my own. I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my father. Boy, it just ushers in an entirely different way of thinking yes. and an entirely different image of the shepherd that suddenly you're like, whoa, 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 time out. That's way different than what I'm used to. Jesus says, yeah, it is. Get used to it from the chosen. Never mind. <laughs> so, what does this mean? When Jesus said he's the good shepherd. The Greek word for good is the word kalos, kalos, which means this, beautiful, desirable, merry, pleasant, um, friendly, and kind. Those are things that we would probably say, yeah, that's a good definition of the word good. But it also means this, virtuous, right, and noble. So when we look at Jesus, not only do we see someone who is desirable and who's merry and who's pleasant to be around and who's friendly and who's kind, but we see someone who is virtuous, right, and noble. This is a really cool combination because there's a lot of people that sometimes we can look to and maybe they're kind, maybe they're merry, maybe they're outgoing and they're pleasant to be around. But man, you dig a little deeper and the virtue, the righteousness, or even the nobility isn't there. This is, this, is, this is the tension of our culture. A lot of our culture runs towards charisma. Charisma is friendly, kind, pleasant to be around, desirable. It's charisma. But character, charisma takes the place of character. Character is the virtue, the righteousness, and the nobility. Jesus has both in who he is as a person. Okay, So so this is a thing for us to realize. Now, a note for us on this is that our only definition for what is virtuous, right, and noble has to be the word of God. Because those three words are trying to get redefined a lot. Right? What is virtuous? You can make that out to whatever you want it to be. What is right? Whatever you think is right. Wait a second, which I still am processing the logic of. And whatever's noble, well, that was kind of noble or, or that has this definition of nobility. But Jesus shows us what, a, what goodness really is based off of the word of God. Okay, he is the word of God. So for us to be able to say, okay, to anchor What is virtuous, what is right, what is noble comes through the filter of the word of God. And this is who Jesus is. You guys doing good? Okay. So the characteristic, the defining characteristic of the good shepherd is that he lays down his life for the sheep. He lays down his life for the sheep. And this is what laying down means. Because I think we kind of have a one-dimensional understanding of this word. When we think of Jesus and we think of laying down, we think of sacrificing your life on the cross, right? Like that's kind of where our mind goes to. And that's completely right because that's what he did, right? But the idea of laying down actually has the definition of giving their life, not just giving up their life. It's the idea of using my life for the betterment of the sheep, Jesus used his life for the betterment of the sheep. And and this is all encompassing, right? This means your time. Man, shepherding was a full-time gig. Everything was all about that relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. The relationship had to take a lot of time to develop for the sheep to be able to understand and know the shepherd's voice means the shepherd had to be with them from the time that the sheep were born so that they could learn the voice as they grew. It took a lot of time, right? It took a lot of energy. The shepherd was going to have to continuously go out in front of the sheep, looking for the best pasture land and where to take them, and even seasonally, right? It's winter, so what do my sheep need? I need to find a place to be able to take them so that they can be fed. Every season had a different thing that was required. The shepherd would also give up comfort because I don't care how much you like camping, laying down on a cold, hard ground every night will wear on you. (laughs) And if you are one of those people who like that, You're messed up. I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm just saying it. You're not messed up. Kind of. But there was comfort and they gave up position, status, title. Here's the thing about a shepherd. A shepherd was one of the most lowly, humble, non-existent positions that existed. If you were a shepherd, it was like you were disregarded. But get this, shepherding was also one of the most noble professions that you could be in. Because sheep were everyone's life. Wool, food, all of that kind of thing. So you had a shepherd who functioned with no position in one of the most noblest professions they could. It's an interesting combination between the two, okay? So, giving up the life. Philippians 2 says this about Jesus, that instead of a claiming to be the son of God and all this kind of stuff. He emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, a shepherd, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. Jesus gives his life by paying attention to the flock, recognizing their needs and meeting the needs this this is the shepherd we have i want to want to share a story here as we kind of get ready to we're not concluding never mind i don't know why i was going to say that <laughs> it's too early for that <laughs> everyone's like lunch um and the, oh boy if you get excited about that <clears throat> god bless you okay Mark 6 gives us a really, really cool illustration of Jesus as the shepherd and how he cared for people, okay? Mark 6, a very famous passage of scripture. This is the feeding of the 5,000, okay? most of us in this room would probably have some kind of awareness of the feeding of the 5,000, right? He, he saw the 5,000, he took five loaves, two fish, broke, blessed, thanked God, broke the bread, passed it out, broke the fish, passed it out, and everybody had enough. Not only did they have enough, but there were 12 baskets left over, like, pretty cool miracle, right? Like, I mean, you get to the end of the month and you water down the soup, but that's one thing. It's very different to actually have this kind of a thing that you do, okay? I say that because that's what we did in our home. <clears throat> we would water down the soup and get a couple more days out of it. All right. <laughs> we thought it was hilarious because we get to the end of the month, we're like, mom, this soup has, it's very watery. <laughs> it's the end of the month, all right. All <clears> right. <throat> All right, so verse 34. When Jesus comes to the place where he is going to perform this miracle, he comes in and he says this, or it says this, when he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and had compassion on them. Why? Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So a couple things that I'm gonna pull out of this passage here. Jesus went ashore, and what did he do? He saw. Jesus... Sees his sheep. I want you to hear this from me this morning. Jesus sees you. You are not overlooked. You are not forgotten. The shepherd sees you. But not only did Jesus see the sheep, it says that he had compassion on them he had emotion that was attached to his observation and that compassion was what was going to compel him to action when jesus looks at you he sees you he sees you on your worst day he sees you on your worst day on your best day he sees you when you are struggling through stuff. He sees you when you're at the end of your rope and you're trying to figure out how tomorrow's even gonna happen. He sees you in the middle of all of it and he has compassion for where you are at. It's not cold callous like, yeah, wow, that's really, that's a bummer. Jeez. No, he has compassion to get into your world. But then we see not only that. It says that he had compassion. And so what did he do? He began to teach them Many things. The good shepherd sees his sheep, has compassion on his sheep, and he meets the needs of his sheep. He began to teach them and he gave them to pour out truth. And why was he doing this? He was doing this so that he could feed their spirits, so their spirits that had been downcast could be lifted up and encouraged. He came to strengthen them. So he began to teach them. He began to teach them the truth of God and who God was, not who God wasn't. He began to go against the religious leaders and this idea of religiosity, that if you do this and you act this way, then you'll have eternal life and all this. He went against all that and he began to teach about the kingdom of God and grace and compassion and a father that stopped at nothing to love his sheep. And he went after all this and he knew what his sheep needed. So he began to pour it out. And give it and feed his sheep but not only that it skips down to the feeding of the 5,000 and everyone it says down here in verse 42 that everyone and I know I'm messing up the slides everyone ate and was satisfied when the good shepherd sees his sheep has compassion on his sheep and meets the needs, I want you to know this, Jesus is all about feeding your spirit and your natural life. Jesus is about making sure that your spirit and your mind and your will and your emotions are built up and bolstered. If you're fighting with depression and you're fighting with anxiety and worry, his word comes to speak life into your spirit. He comes to pour out something that the natural, that, 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 that things in the natural can't take care of, but that only his strength in your spirit can do. Yeah. But he also comes to meet the needs that you have, the physical needs in your life. I want you to hear this from me this morning, that the good shepherd cares for the needs of your life. If you need healing in your life, I want you to hear this. The good shepherd knows and wants to heal. If you need provision in your life, I want you to know the good shepherd sees, has compassion, and wants to provide those things. Yeah. If you are in a relational tension or maybe you're going through a dynamic in your, mar- your marriage, I want you to understand right now that the good shepherd has what you need in those moments. Yeah. He's all about the spiritual and the natural. Yeah. And he comes to build up his people. See, there's... There's nothing that is outside of the reach of the good shepherd. Yeah, that's right. There is nothing that you can go through in life that is off limits. That the shepherd doesn't see, have compassion on, and have everything you need to meet the need. Now, maybe you've been praying for healing for a really long time. Maybe you've been praying for your husband to get his life figured out for a really long time. Keep praying. Just keep praying. That will be a lifelong prayer. I'm just saying. But as, you, as you're praying those things, maybe there's things that you've been believing for a really, really long time. I want you to know the shepherd has not forgotten you. He has not overlooked you. He hasn't minimized your need. But sometimes the shepherd knows, you know what? We gotta get through this season this valley, because on the other side is a really, really nice meadow. You're like, why am I having to go through this? Because we're not there yet. And for some of us, we need the understanding that if we trust the shepherd, the good shepherd, and we know that his plans for us are for good and not for harm, if, his, if he has great things planned for us, then we have to believe that if he leads us through a season that takes a lot longer to figure out than we want, there's a reason for it. Yeah. As we dig into Psalm 23 over these next few weeks, you better believe that when he says that he leads us on paths of righteousness, on the right paths, why? For his name's sake. Yes. Yes. Meaning he's gonna lead you on certain paths So he gets the glory for it. You say, why haven't I seen this miracle happen in my life? Doesn't God believe in healing? Doesn't God believe in restoration? Yes, absolutely. He's just probably wanting to do it a little bit different in your life because of what that's going to do to bring glory to him. Okay. Uh, Lazarus died. What did Jesus say when he was on his way? Listen, this happened for a purpose so that the glory of God could be brought. He knew, yeah, 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 I know, he died. But this is gonna end with the glorification of God. If we trust the shepherd, we will trust that what he's doing with our lives is formulating something that brings him glory, which is really cool. You guys okay? Okay, so then what do we do as we conclude? Now I'm going to conclude. (laughs) Gonna do that. Pastor I had growing up, great, great pastor, great communicator, he was amazing. He would spend the entire message on the intro. (laughs) Like, whoa, we haven't even got to the notes. He never did the text notes thing. I can't figure out why, I don't know. (laughs) So what do we do as sheep? Okay, listen, as we identify the good shepherd, and as we understand and we learn who he is, we have a responsibility to draw near to the shepherd. And and, and this is a layer of trust, because I don't think there's one person in here who has not been burned and hurt in one way, shape, or form in their life, either by somebody who has influenced them. Maybe it actually is somebody who has had the position of a shepherd, Maybe it was a pastor, maybe it was another church, maybe it was whatever, some sort of spiritual leader. It's real. That's, that's a real thing that happens. Okay? Maybe that's what it is. And so the idea of coming back to the Good Shepherd and putting our trust in him, whew, that comes with a lot of baggage. But he's patient. And he's kind. And he's good. So what do we do? The only thing that we have to learn how to do is we have to learn and listen to the voice of the good shepherd. Learn and listen to the voice of the good shepherd. John 10, 27 says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they will never perish. Oh, and get this. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Boy, isn't that a good promise? I'm really thankful that nothing can snatch me out of my shepherd's hand. So our responsibility is to learn the shepherd. Sheep... um, Some people say about sheep, and the videos we watched at the beginning kind of allude to the fact that sheep are dumb animals, right? Ditch, jump right back in the day. Okay, all right. As you do studies about sheep, sheep are actually uh, very smart animals. And because of that, they are actually experts at hearing the voice of their shepherd. They can identify a whisper, a word, and know, that's my shepherd. I think that the, the invitation of our shepherd is for us to become experts at hearing his voice. Yeah, right. Let us be a people and a church who are experts at hearing the voice of the good shepherd. Yeah. Yeah. To when he whispers, we respond. Yeah. That, that, that's the goal. That's what we're supposed to do. There's a story... Uh, from World War I, where there were some soldiers who went up into one of the hills in, in, outside of Jerusalem. And the shepherd was she, uh, sleeping, and so they were going to steal the sheep. So the soldiers began to drive and scatter the sheep and drive them away. The shepherd woke up and was horrified to find this happening. And he recognized in that moment that he did not have the strength to actually go out and physically recapture the sheep. There was no way. So he did the only thing that he knew how to do. Call his sheep. And the result was really cool. The sheep heard, and they booked it back to the shepherd. To the point where the story says that the soldiers could not stop the sheep. I think that that should be a definition of us. That when we hear the voice of the shepherd, there ain't nothing that'll stop us from returning. If we've gotten a little bit off, maybe by our own doing, and we've jumped into a ditch, or we've been driven away by whatever, by the world, by influences, by things, and we've been driven away, the moment we hear the shepherd, let us run back to him. Let us find ourselves close to the good shepherd again. Here's the thing about Jesus. Jesus will never make us follow him. He will never make you follow him, but he will always call you to follow him. This is, guys, this is, I, I, this, this just blows my mind. We've had conversations, even back in a college, I remember a conversation about this it blows my mind that God who created us to be in relationship with him created such a risky situation because all he has is a call to invite you into relationship. It's the desire of his heart, but he doesn't make us. He gives us free will to decide what we will do, but he will always call. The call of the shepherd never stops. The call of the shepherd always beckons you into eternal life and into salvation and forgiveness and freedom from sin. The call of the shepherd is always there, but he will never make. And it's, it's this thing like, why, why would he do this? Why would he create this dynamic where he knew that people would choose to go away? Well, with a high risk is a high reward. The reward of a relationship with the creator of the universe. A true and real relationship that's based off of a desire to pursue the heart of God. To where we hear his voice and we respond. Boy, that's a, I I just, man, even as a parent, when I'm with my kids and out and about, if I just call their name, man, nothing gives me more satisfaction than when one of my kids just churns and comes back over to me. I didn't even do anything. I just said, hey, Dustin, Dustin, Dustin. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, sometimes Jesus has to say that to us. Jason, 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 ditch, Jason, Jason, ditch. (laughs) And this is, (laughs) but he'll always call us. And this is what his calling sounds like. And then I'm gonna pray and end. This is what the shepherd sounds like. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. I'm gonna give you rest. You feel condemned? I don't condemn you. You feel shame and guilt of sin that you carry? I don't condemn you. I don't shame you. But be free of that. Go and sin no more. Be free of the shame that holds you down. The shepherd says, your sins are forgiven. The shepherd says, I come to bring you abundant life. The shepherd says, when you pass through the water and the fire, I will be with you. You're not alone. I'm with you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. God's a righty, not a lefty. Just kidding, slight moment. That's how I deal with heavy moments with humor. You'll get the about me. What's he say? I've got you. When the enemy comes after you like a flood, I will lift up a standard and I'll drive the enemy away. When he comes to attack your life, I'm going to go after him. This is the shepherd. And he says, my rod and staff comfort you. Not drive, not beat, not, not force, but my rod and my staff comfort you. The rod was used to beat off wild animals. The staff was used to guide and direct. That's the voice of the shepherd. Pretty good, huh? If you're here this morning, you're listening to these words. My hope and my prayer is that if you are far from Christ that you hear these words as an invitation from someone that loves your soul and loves your life and your spirit more than you can ever imagine. A shepherd lays down, gives up his life for the sheep. If you're far from Christ and you're on a journey of trying to figure out what all this means, I want you to hear that the shepherd laid down his life for you. Gave it up on a cross. And carried your sin, your shame, everything you carry, all the, the feeling of all the, the wrong stuff that you've done, he carried all that with him on the cross. And because he did that, he paid the price for it. You can be free, forgiven, one of the sheep. Next week, we're going to talk about what the care of the shepherd looks like, and it's beautiful. How does the shepherd care for his sheep? But I want you to know that the shepherd cares for you. And if you're here this morning and you're far from God, I want to give you the opportunity to begin a relationship. And really what that means is this whole shepherd sheep narrative. You hear the calling of a shepherd to his sheep to say, come home, come home. I have rest for you. I have healing for you. I can tend your wounds. I can bandage. I can give you rest. It's an invitation. If you're here and you want to begin that relationship and return to the shepherd, I'm going to lead us all in a prayer. And I want you to pray that today with faith and declaration in your heart and with your mouth. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and you declare with your mouth, you will be saved. So let's pray this together. Let's all close our eyes so we can pray this together. And we're all all together because we're a family. Jesus, I thank you that you are a good shepherd, that you care and you've looked after me long before I even knew it. I thank you that you paid the price for my sin. I thank you that when you died on the cross, I was forgiven. And today, I give my life to you I ask you to be the Lord of my life, to be my shepherd, to care for me. I love you. I give you my life and I worship you. And everybody said together, amen. If you prayed that prayer today for the first time, I just want to say welcome home. Welcome home whether you're in the room or online, I want you to know that there's a shepherd, a good shepherd who's waiting. And he's ready to welcome you with open arms. And he does welcome you with open arms. The Bible says too, this is really cool, that when there's one person who is away from the Lord that makes a decision to come to the Lord, it says all of the angels in heaven celebrate. Meaning if you've asked Christ in your heart for the first time, Or you've rededicated your life, there's a party going on. There's a party. Um, If you did did pray that prayer today, I I ask you to do this. And um, if you feel comfortable doing this, but I would love to be able to connect with you to help you to learn what the next step is for you to follow Christ, what it means to be a sheep. (laughs) Who's the shepherd? Who am I? I'm a sheep? what does it even mean? I don't know. What is my role? What's my responsibility? I'd love to be able to connect with you and help you to do that. And that same connection card that I, I showed earlier for if you're here and you're visiting with us, if, uh, if you would take that and if you ask Jesus in your heart today, if you'd fill that out and drop it in the buckets or you can text OLC Connect to 94000, same thing. You fill that out and then it'll allow me to get a hold of you and to be able to shepherd. Ha, huh? see what I did there? <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, shepherd and provide a next step for you to be able to take the next step in your walk with Jesus. That's my role. And honestly, it is my greatest privilege. So do that. If you feel comfortable, give us that information so that we can be able to connect with you. Uh, Can we do this, church family? Can we put our hands together for those that asked Jesus into their heart today, in the room or online today?